0: I really feel like God wants to do something special tonight. I really feel, and it's not a blanket statement, I really feel like God's gonna do something special. I believe there's gonna be a a shift here uh, at some point and I have a lot of ground to cover on this, uh, this flimsy stand. So I'm going to do my best to stay focused, praise God, and get through this. Uh, Would you stand with me? We're going to turn to two areas in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, 17 through 19, and Matthew 13, 47. And while you're turning there, I just want to extend my gratitude to my pastor Pastor Carson, my North Star, to this great congregation for being so supportive. Uh, I am tasked tonight to speak on a weighty subject. So I don't, uh, don't take this casually. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think we should either. Can I challenge you tonight? I believe this is the greatest church with the greatest resources and the greatest potential to do some of the greatest work that this world has ever seen. Do you believe that? Praise God. Matthew chapter 4, 17 through 19. From that time, Jesus began to preach, to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me. And if we do, he declared, I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 13, 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. I am tasked to speak to you on this subject tonight, the life of a witness, the life of a witness. Church, let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be a chosen generation and a royal priesthood in this hour. God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would anoint this house to receive this word. I pray it fall on good ground. I pray, God, that you would give me clarity, that I would bring it forth the way that you gave it to me. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, would you lift your voice? Would you begin to magnify the Lord with me? Come on, church, let's exalt his name together. Glory to God. Glory to God, you may be seated. The story is told of certain fishermen who were known for catching a lot of fish. Every week, people would come, and they would watch them go out and always return with a boatload of fish. So one day, a spectator who was watching, he asked if he could go out with the fishermen and effectively learn how to catch fish. Fisherman kindly responded and he said, sure, my man, you meet me out here at 5 a.m. So early the next morning, the two went out and as they came to a cove, the man noticed. This fisherman didn't have any poles. And he thought, what kind of way is this to teach someone how to catch fish? And after careful observation, As the fisherman continued to look for a good place to fish, all the man noticed was a rusty old tackle box and a scoop net as the fisherman finally stopped that boat and shut off the motor. And as the man watched, the fisherman simply opened his tackle box and he pulled out a stick of dynamite. He done struck that match. He lit that stick of dynamite, and he cast it into the water. And after a deadening explosion, my man just simply grabbed that net and started scooping fish. And then the man that was with him, he began mean mugging, and with a hard look, He said, you're under arrest as he pulled out his game warden badge. (laughs) But it didn't faze the fisherman. He simply reached back into that tackle box, pulled out another stick of dynamite. He lit it, but this time he held it until the fuse began to burn down. And then he said to the game warden, he said when fishermen ain't fishing, they're fighting. Now you going to just sit there or you going to fish? Calvary Tabernacle. When we are consumed with a passion to by all means save some, we won't need a lighted fuse for motivation. Come on somebody, because the motivation comes from within. Jesus proclaimed that you shall receive power, that dunamis power that dynamic dynamite power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me praise God now we have to understand that death and life is in the power of the tongue and where the word of a king is there is power Jesus said launch out and let down your net and start gathering fish because lives are hanging in the balance This city is desperate, Calvary, for a witness that walks in demonstration of spirit and power to kick in hell's gates and turn our city upside down. Put your hands together and magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A witness is simply a person who has knowledge of an event and is called to tell his story, to testify from personal observation or experience, a witness, my friend, has tremendous power. Every one of us are a witness or we bear witness to something powerful that has impacted us, whether it be positive or negative. And every one of us, under the sound of my voice, are a testimony of an event or a connection with someone that's left a profound fingerprint on your lives. Maybe you're the witness to the power of a person's influence whose life drew you to your walk with God. Surely there's a good number of you here tonight that can testify of the power of being raised. And a godly home where you can declare that goodness and mercy has followed you all the days of your life. Or perhaps you're a witness to the power of growing up in a broken home where the streets shaped your life. People, hear me, are behind bars tonight, both in the natural and in the spiritual from the power of a witness. A credible eyewitness is the most powerful form of evidence, the court of law. A witness can testify that they saw something. That testimony in the natural and in the spiritual has the power to set the captive free. As a young man, I was part of a major drug trade on the south side of Chicago. and I can't get into details tonight, but I can tell you that guys that I was running with were catching cases good for 20 years to life. And I knew that the sun was beginning to set on my life in the fast lane. So I began to think about purchasing some real estate or doing some rehab to some four and six flat buildings. And so a friend of mine talked to me and he said, you need to meet my brother. His name was Michael Otano. At the time, he was a contractor. Today, he pastors a thriving church, a revival church in northwest Indiana. But to make a long story short, after working with him for just a short period of time, He asked me if I wanted to get out of town for a weekend and told me that he was going to Indianapolis. So I said, sure, me and Rochelle, we jumped in the car with him and his wife and we came to a place called Calvary Tabernacle where I got a hold of something that money couldn't buy as I bear witness to the power of Pentecost. You've come too late to tell me that there is no power in the name of Jesus Christ to set the captive free. I stand here to testify of the changing power being filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'm no longer bound by alcohol. I no longer have to live my life in a rearview mirror. Can I get a witness? Instead of dancing at the club to Gypsy Kings, now I'm dancing at the altar with the King of Kings. Instead of dealing dope, now I'm dealing hope. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together and magnify. And glorify. The one that pulled you out and set you free glory to God, that snapshot bears the witness to the power of a broken life on the streets and the power of Pentecost. I mean, man, I got what they got. The way that they got what they got. 2,000 years ago, can I get a witness? So let's take a look at another snapshot. This time I want to look at the Apostle Paul's testimony as he's witnessing to Agrippa by recounting his life-changing conversion experience to live the life of a witness. And in Acts 26, 16 through 18, we find that Paul testified that Jesus told him to rise and to stand upon his feet. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen, very important, and of those things in which I will show you, in which I will appear unto you. Now, here's what I want to pull out of this testimony. He said, delivering you from the people, he's talking about the Jews, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. Did you catch that? He's saying, I delivered you from this culture. I delivered you from that culture. I filled you with my spirit, and now I'm sending you back into those cultures that I delivered you from. Why? Credibility. To speak their language, because the greatest ability is credibility in the life of a witness. And just like the apostle Paul We've come from various backgrounds or cultures, and once the Lord equips and empowers us with his spirit, we possess the power, too, to go back into those cultures and speak their language. Culture comes from the word agri or agriculture. Agri means field, and culture means to cultivate. And Jesus often referred to agriculture. Why? Because he spoke their language to communicate to those that he was attempting to reach and to connect with. He spoke their language to relate and to accelerate trust. After all, he's the Lord of the harvest. If we're going to be effective living the life of a witness, we'll need credibility with the culture's that we sow into or typically they won't trust where we're coming from. I'll prove it. Because what we live out is what God uses to bring others out, amen? For the same reason that I, for instance, was delivered from street culture is the same reason why God typically pushes me back into that culture. Why? Credibility. Now, The whole point of that is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, Paul declared. So let's take a deeper dive into credibility. The word common comes from the word communicate and we communicate by what we have in common. To tell your story, to listen to their story, and to pray with them based off of where they are in their life. Telling your story is not as complicated as one would think. How many of you in here have a testimony? Everyone. How many of you bear witness to the power of the Acts 2.38 message? Everybody. And so it is, all is telling your story boils down to is telling someone in the course of your conversation what Jesus did for you when you decided to repent, get baptized in Jesus' name, and get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what a witness does, amen? So having pulled from Paul's testimony to highlight the purpose for his emphatic call to the ministry of a life of a witness, we'll see that his credibility, in fact, was the foundation for communicating cross culture. Paul was both a Roman citizen and a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, and he was brought up at the feet of the celebrated Gamaliel. Now, when we look at Paul and his life, Paul looked to reach and to connect often with Jewish culture. And when he would speak to Jewish culture, he spoke their language. What do I mean? He often referred to them as brethren. And he would always respectfully refer to the fathers when speaking to them, when testifying. He spoke their language and that gave him credibility. And with all this talk of Culture, you may be wondering tonight, well, what is the church culture? It's simply kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is counter-cultural, amen, because we celebrate no color barriers in kingdom culture. Kingdom culture in the life of a witness crosses cultural barriers to produce multicultural churches for maximum impact on enemy strongholds within our city. Paul testifies of this in facts checks, in 1 Corinthians 9:19 9, and 22. He said, for though I be free from all men, all cultures, though I be free, yet I have made myself servant unto all. Why? That I might gain The more. And under the Jews, I became a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. In other words, Paul lived the life of a witness, crossing cultural barriers to reach and relate by speaking their language. He declared, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Isn't that your desire tonight? Paul was an ambassador and ambassadors that are effective know the language of the people that they live among. He only needed 1% of common ground. Only 1% to work 100% at diffusing cultural complexities in hope of redirecting that individual's moral compass. Look, I understand. No one said it would be easy, amen? And quite frankly, Jesus never apologized for sending us into cultural complexities as sheep among wolves. When we live the life of a witness, we're on the front lines of spiritual conflict because the enemy knows that a people that's in mission mode will prevail against the gates of hell to root out his kingdom. And in 2 Timothy 2 and 4, we find that Paul uses here military language to communicate to his son and the gospel who was on the front lines of spiritual opposition he reminded Timothy, he said, Timothy, no man, shout no man, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the cares of this life. He was referring to civilian busyness as a hindrance to the harvest. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice and he left us with the mission. Why? to please him who has chosen you and I to be a soldier. And I think a great illustration pertaining to this thread is found with Green Berets. They are required to learn a foreign language as part of their training and are constantly learning cultural complexities of the region which they are assigned to operate in. And it's this skill set, church, that gives them the credibility to connect with people and to impact their culture's core values, which opens up the door to redirect their moral compass. And one thing that I know that every culture has in common is the desperate need to overcome by the blood of the lamb. And when we can learn to reach and to relate to circumstances outside of our four walls with the word of our testimony, the word of God will increase in the community. Acts 6 and 7, we find that the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And great company of priests, the religious, were even obedient to the faith. How did the word of God increase? Glad you asked. Kingdom culture. They scattered everywhere. And they were turning sinners into friends and friends into disciples. They were consumed with living the daily life of a witness. It was the culture of the saints in Jerusalem, the saints that took the word of God and their testimonies into everyday life, they were scattered abroad and they went everywhere, the word of God tells us, preaching the word. Now, sometimes when we think preach, we automatically think pulpit, false, amen? Preaching is also living the life of a witness by telling your story, simply sharing the word of God. We find this in Acts 8 and 1. The Word of God tells us there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And I highlight. I need that scripture up there. I want the church to see this. And I highlight. Except the apostles. Except the apostles. So I have a question. You See that there? Except the apostles. That means all the heavy hitters had nothing to do with that launching out. It was the saints that went everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere. Except the apostles. So, I have a question. That was Acts 8 and 1. Let's flip chapter and verse. I want to ask you do you believe that Jesus intended for evangelism just to be left to a department or to a select few to fulfill the commission of Acts 1 and 8? No, it was the saints. It was the saints that went everywhere scattered but not silenced throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria fulfilling the vision and the commission of acts 1 and 8 which declares but you shall receive power after the holy ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth and that's why you and I are here tonight are you thankful now, speaking of Acts 1 and 8, as I hasten back on 1-8 of this year, Pastor casts vision for 2023. And our theme for this year is mission forward in the spirit of Matthew 28-19. So let's take a moment to address a growth myth that can help us fulfill the commission of Acts 1:8. Vision is quite misunderstood when it comes to growth. Vision doesn't ignite growth. Passion does. Vision is simply the power and focus of passion. Vision gives direction, and without it will perish, amen? But it's culture that takes you there, amen? It's culture that will take you there and fulfill the vision. We need a culture shift so that the whole church is active. The whole church scattered abroad preaching the word. Now, when you think of the Great Commission, you'll actually find the culture that I'm talking about in the Great Commission, when Jesus commissioned us in Matthew 28:19, in essence, what he was saying was go live daily, intentional lives, but in the process, take people with you, take people with you. He was passionate about becoming and living the life of a witness, but he was also very clear of the direction of the commission. It wasn't come, it was go. Amen. I understand that the church is a place that we come to, but it also needs to be a place that we go from to reach, to connect, and to disciple. Praise God. I want you to lift your hands for a moment. I want you to begin to pray. God is talking to some hearts right now. God. God. Believe that God is stirring some hearts right now for a further commitment as an individual in our daily walk with him. So it's noteworthy to be reminded That the commission to go, it wasn't a suggestion. Amen. It was a command and demand for the life of a witness whose cultures consumed with passion to reach into the lives of people daily. Shout a daily church. Shout a daily church. Amen. I'm not just talking about our doors being open every day. I'm talking about walking through doors that he opens every day that no man can shut as we approach someone because favor is following us. Amen. I'm convinced that everyone here wants to see what they saw in the first century in terms of growth outpourings. It came from a culture of daily lifestyle evangelism that produced the Lord adding to the church daily. The church in acts had all things common. Evangelistically, Fellowship, breaking bread, prayer. But they had a commonality in the mission. And they, the scripture declares, were addicted to the ministry of the saints. And that ministry was living the life of a witness that resulted in churches increasing in number daily. Acts sixteen four and 5, we find that as they went through the cities, They delivered them decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles, the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, the only people that I'm exempt from not reaching is if I come across someone that Jesus didn't die for. And I guarantee you That each and every day, you're going to come across people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That mission, my friend, calls for collective partnership. Shout partnership. Kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is a partnership between the Lord and one another. And if there's one thing that I've learned about kingdom work, it's this, that no one, and I mean no one, has got to where they are by themselves. I want you to get a hold of this. In Mark 16 and 20, the Bible declares that they launched out, they went forth and preached everywhere, and those that did, the Lord was working with them. The Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following why because it's a partnership between Emmanuel God with us who declared "Lo, I am with you always and those that are living the life of a witness we're workers together with one another amen and we're workers together with him and a good picture of this is found in Simon's ship When Jesus proclaimed to launch out, and it was this launching out and letting down his net that was the prerequisite to the manifestation of a miracle as Jesus proclaimed, henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Thou shalt catch men. You see, when you're following him, he'll make you fishers of men. We'll see growth miracles and you'll see growth miracles and I'll see growth miracles when we're willing to cast out our net for a catch. Luke 5, 4 through 7, we find that when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said to him, master, look, we've been at this all night, but nevertheless, at your word. And that was the key I'll let down the net. And when he responded, they enclosed a great multitude of fish. And the scripture says that their net break. So what did they do? They beckoned unto their partners. It's a partnership. These fellows were in the other ship. And they asked that they should come and help them. So they came and filled both ships. Now, it's interesting to me. We just came out of a month of talking about Jonah. Jonah. And it's interesting to me that God sends Jonah a fish. Then we find Simon. He calls Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. And he sends him a boatload of fish with a miracle attached to it. But notice the net broke. When we're in a season of miracles, Calvary Tabernacle, don't get discouraged because sometimes the net will break. We're not going to keep everybody, amen? Not only that, the, mission, the mission's messy. Not everybody's going to look like me. Not everybody's going to talk like me. Not, not, not everybody's going to talk like you, look like you, act like you. You get what I'm saying. But we thank God for those that we keep, and we thank God for the partnership kind of revival that I believe that God wants to send Calvary Tabernacle, I don't believe that one net is going to get it. He gave a shout out to his partners. He gave a shout out. He said, yo, youth, come here. Let down your net. He says, hey, hyphen. It's loud, ain't it? He says, come on over here. I need help. Let down your net. Brother Barkus, he said, recovery and care. We need you over here. We need some help. Let down your net. Calvary Tabernacle, we have the power in the midnight hour, and all we need is all hands on deck because it's a collective effort. The power's not limited to the platform, somebody. From the front to the back, I don't believe that there's no lack, power, collective power to buy into the vision and to get behind the mission to fill our city with our story. Put your hands together and magnify the King of Kings. Wow, I can't believe it's already eight o'clock. I'm going to finish with this and I'll... I'll finish up next week. I believe our challenge isn't ability, Calvary. I believe it's availability. And if I get honest with myself, I need to allow God to be greater than Sunday. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus waited till Sunday to share the gospel, what it would look like? So what's the solution? I believe that Jesus equipped us with his word and empowered us with his spirit to go out and to be the church. Come on, somebody. To be a sermon. To be an altar call. To get outside of our four walls and pray for people because we carry these dynamics wherever we go. Let's stand together. Glory to God. Let's stand together. Praise God. I want you to just lift your hands and begin to ask God to help you with direction regarding your perspective, the culture that you've created individually. I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time you personally won a soul? When is the last time? Because I can tell you that if we're willing to go out And to see what they saw, we're going to have to do it together, Calvary. Come on, church. I want you to lift your voice. I believe that God wants to do something special. If we're going to see what they saw, Calvary, daily, I believe it's going to take us to commit to working together. Matter of fact, I'm willing to go out on a limb right now. you got to think of this for a second as I close. In just one day, a message was preached. 120 people left an upper room and 3,000 were added to the church in just one day because of passion. They went out and got scattered abroad and they went everywhere. It was the saints. It was you and I. That went out, not, not the platform, preaching the word. Doesn't mean pulpit. I understand preaching is part of a pulpit. They didn't even have these things back then, man. Pulpit is the table you sit across. It's the place where you sit down in a coffee shop. That's your pulpit. It's it's walking up to a stranger and walking in wisdom toward them that are without to redeem the time. We're running out of time, Calvary, and I'm impressed. I am very impressed right now to ask this congregation a challenge question, a challenge question. I know what will happen, and I think, and I believe, and I trust that you know what would happen if we worked together this summer collectively. I'm talking about people committing by a showing of hands that would be willing to take one hour a week. Is that asking too much? I'm asking. I'm not afraid of the quiet stuff, but I'm asking. Seriously, I'm, I, I really feel like God is asking you and I right now, what are we going to do about the situation that we have each and every day? But if we can take one hour and just go together, you got a Monday, you got a Tuesday, you got a Thursday, Friday, you got a Saturday, pick one day, pick one hour, join the evangelism team, you'll get contacted, and teams will go out. Multiple te- I see multiple teams going out into our neighborhoods, into our streets. If we want to see what they saw, that's what it's going to take. You see, we see this and we think, man, everything's working great, and it is. It is, but while we're sitting in here, everyone on the outside, every 1.86 seconds, somebody's splitting hell wide open. What are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about it? So I want you to ask, I want you to pray again, and I want you to ask God. I want you to, God is calling his church to get active in the lifestyle of evangelism on a regular basis, collectively. And when we go out with teams collectively, can you imagine what would happen? People would be getting baptized every day. People would be getting filled with the Holy Ghost every day. The Lord would add to the church daily such as be saved. You want to see what they saw in the first century? Do you want to see what they saw? Or are we going to just let Indianapolis go to hell? That wasn't a cuss word. That's the place where they'll end up. I don't want to see somebody go to hell. Are you comfortable with it? I'm not. You got to remember, we're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. But if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. What are we going to do about it, Calvary? So I'm asking this congregation right now, if you haven't joined evangelism, I'm asking you, to join evangelism so that we can reach out to you and correlate multiple groups to go out on church off days. And when you can't make it on those days, you're being a daily lifestyle of evangelism on your own. But to collectively, they went out together and they scattered everywhere preaching the word. I guarantee you, and I trust, that's the pattern to the, to the Lord adding to the church daily. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I'm asking you to fall on us here tonight. I'm asking you, God, that you would stir our hearts. That you would help us, God. You've already set the leaders in place to lead, to train. I'm asking you to encourage your people tonight. To sign up. Not just to sign up, but to Go. To commit to one hour a week, God. We're going to see what they saw, God. I'm asking you to help us. Help us, God. Look, if we can make a friend, we qualify. There's Each and every one of us are filled with the Holy Ghost. So that we can be a witness and tell our story. There is nothing too hard about telling somebody what Jesus did for you. When you repented of your sins, got baptized in Jesus name and God filled you with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing too hard about saying, hey, did you get one of these? It's an invitation to Calvary Tabernacle. Nothing too hard about that. People are hungry today, Calvary. People came to our Easter service because they're watching. And they came. I got a phone call from pastor this week from David Smith. He said, hey, call him. I called him. He said, there's a guy in Indianapolis who saw me uh, looking at a uh, teaching on baptism in Jesus name. He's coming to be baptized with his mom Sunday. People are hungry, Calvary. What are we going to do with what God did for us? We're in here. We're all comfortable. We're all saved. Life is good. Life is blessed. What about everybody outside the four walls, Calvary? There is a Mark Trano in your neighborhood. There is a Mark Trano at your job. Don't be mad at me, Calvary. We're family, all right? Just speaking to you from my passion tonight. I love you. We'll continue this lesson next week. But I want to, I tell you what, God can do a miracle right now. I wonder if 100 people would raise their hand and say that they would commit to going out one hour a week. I wonder if 100 people would commit to the cause. Is there not a cause? You have a testimony. What are you going to do with it? God filled you with his spirit for one purpose in the realm of evangelism, and that is to be a witness, obviously to live a clean life. That's not our subject tonight. What will you do with it? I encourage you to sign up. People will reach out to you. Groups would get correlated. Groups would go out under leadership. You would get trained. You don't even have to say nothing. You could just watch. Miranda Thomason, right here, first time we went out, she cried. I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass you, sis. She said, I'm afraid, but I believe in what we're doing. Today, I don't have to say anything to her. She goes out on her own. She brings people to church. People get baptized. People get filled with the Holy Ghost. My daughter, Selena, same thing. I know she's probably going to get mad at me, but I got to go. It's it's eight ten. but I'm telling you. Her student from the public school got baptized, got baptized about three weeks ago. All we gotta do is open our mouth because death and life is in the power of the tongue. I'm sorry, but I don't want some, I don't want some door hanger speaking for me if I have the, if I have the opportunity to speak to somebody. I'm sorry, I know that's safe and we feel good when we do it and we feel like we accomplished something, but what, what are the uh, analytics to that? What, Where do we really, what what have we really accomplished, church? That's not in the pattern. The pattern is they went out scattered everywhere preaching the word. Praise God.